At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Alright, welcome on to a much-anticipated moment. I've been looking forward to this since the very moment we stopped recording a year ago because we knew that Victor Wembanyama was going to be in this year's top 10 prospects in the NBA. Will he, in fact, be number one, or will we have a contrarian take among the three of us? John Hollinger <laughs> and Danny LaRue joining me here on this crossover episode. Uh, the way we're going to do this is each of us is going to nominate basically the highest remaining player on our list uh, of the top 10 prospects. Uh, but before we get into that, John, any just overarching considerations here as we rank the top prospects in the NBA 23 and under? I was really trying to look ahead when I did this, and I was really trying to look at upside outcomes, too. You know, can this player be the best player in the league? Okay, if not, can this player be one of the five or ten best players in the league? Uh, and that guided a lot of where I ended up. Although I, th- I think once you get to the back end, the priorities maybe change a little bit when you get to that eight, nine, ten on this list. But that that's where my mind was as I drew this up. And I think with one player in particular who has been very good this year, I think that pushed him a little lower just because of like the positional archetype that he represents. We'll get into that when we talk about him. Agreed on on pretty much all fronts. I think that what a player could be, you know, this is this is a little bit more future focused at times a little bit more optimistic. But one of the other things I'll add is for me, there is a more realistic element, which is you're trying to imagine this player in a variety of different systems. There are 30 NBA teams that have different strengths and weaknesses. They have different personnel. And so if a player can do what they do with almost everybody, I like that. And if a player has to be a specific thing, they better be incredible at that thing and be able to do it with pretty much everybody in order to make this kind of a list because that's the way it works in the NBA. If you're elite enough, then they'll make the system around you. But if you're not, then you have to really adjust or find other strengths and weaknesses. And this year's group, in part, like I first of all, I was thinking nobody from this group has made an all NBA team that I've done end of season that I remembered one did a long time ago. So we're kind of in a different frame of the conversation, at least for now. We, we are. And there are going to be a lot of different philosophies. I think our lists, uh, particularly as we get a little lower, are going to be quite different from can, one can another. I add, yeah. Can I add one other factor? Uh, sure, yeah. I took health into consideration 
uh, yes. pretty heavily in in a couple of cases. And obviously, we're projecting ahead, and we're not clairvoyant, but that's just a just a thing I had to think about as I thought about what the future would look like for a couple of these players in particular. For me, yeah, the, the health aspect is a, a massive component of it. Uh, I also want to explain why we do it for 23 and under. That's kind of the last year to me where you be like, oh, well, he's only 23, right? He's doing this and he's only 23. You kind of feel like, oh, maybe the sky's the limit for the for this guy. Like, It's kind of fun to project. Like once you, I mean, obviously it's an arbitrary cutoff, but once you get into the mid 20s, you're kind of like, okay, th- we at least have a picture of what this guy's going to be. There have been so some players who've had crazy mid-career improvement, your Mikhail Bridges, your Jimmy Butlers, but generally you kind of know reasonably well what the broad outlines of this player's career are going to be. And the question I kept asking myself as I went through here, I was like, you really going to rank that guy this high? Would team, because like, you're thinking about, man, for the having this guy for the rest of his career, we're now, and we're not thinking about contracts here. We're just thinking about, hey, if you'd snap your fingers, have this guy on your team versus another guy on your team, you know, kind of your random NBA team, who would you want to choose? That got real tough, real fast, particularly with this these 2023 draft guys. You haven't played that much. And the question of how much you're going to actually rely on your pre-draft scouting with some of these guys since they haven't really done anything so far. But John, I will give you the first pick and I'm desperately curious to see whether you're going to go conventional or not with your number one prospect, 23 and under. Uh, I think I'm probably going conventional here. Uh, I, I still think he has far and away the highest ceiling of anyone here. Uh, I worry a little bit about what kind of career duration he's going to have given his immense height. But Victor Wembenyama to me still has to be number one. He's he's the guy with best player in the league ceiling, like realistic ceiling um, that he could be the best player in the league. And I think we've seen in recent games now that the Spurs have figured out that, hey, maybe we should have this tall guy near the rim on defense that we've seen a lot more of his defensive potential lately. Offensively, it's still coming around with the jumper. He's still a little too kind of pull up Jay heavy and not super accurate yet. On the other hand, if he gets even middling accurate with that thing, nobody is ever going to be able to get a hand on it, and it's going to be just an incredible weapon. So I, I I, just think he he can go in so many ways and be an awesome player that he has to be number one. I have Victor Wembanyama number one as well, and it would have been a more interesting intellectual discussion if there had been one of these more accomplished, maybe more early 20s guys like what Luca had done his first few years, but there isn't anybody right now other other than Wembenyama, like anybody who's under who's in the range who has been like a first or second team All NBA player, and then it would have been like, oh, what are we going to do here? But Wembenyama, first of all, we've gotten to see a little bit more of the defensive capability now that Greg Popovich has moved him to center, and. I'm, you know, we're we're indent we're evaluating this over the course of this whole career. Like Victor Wembanyama is not going to be this offensive player for better moving forward. Like his role within the Spurs offense is actually really really high. It's almost at the level of somebody like a Tyrese Maxey, which it should not be, at least for right now. And so, but we're thinking about, well, what is he going to be a couple of years from now? And either Wembenyama will be better at those things and will earn 
that role or he will be he will not have it. And so that, you know, you could say at a point guard spot, that would be a problem. You know, the idea that you can't occupy a larger offensive role. But when you are not only a center, but you are a defensively adept, ideally phenomenal center, I can roll with that completely. You know, for Wembenyama, and how do you guys feel about him? John, has he lived up to expectations? Is he disappointed somewhat for for you? Uh, how do you feel about him? I actually, I actually had higher expectations for him out of the shoot offensively. I think part of the part of the deal has just been the Spurs have been such a miserable mess and not figuring out that maybe Jeremy Sohan shouldn't be the guy orchestrating the offense. And, uh, you know, let's, let's not run everything through Zach Collins. Um, so I, I think now that they've started at least to figure out what a real team looks like there, I think we've seen better from Wembyana. And I think in a better system i think you could see more especially from him offensively like if you put him from with if you paired him with some of the point guards that we're about to talk about i think he might look a whole lot better offensively because he'd be getting so many more free rim runs and dunks and whatnot that he just doesn't really get in san antonio so that that's been part of it but i had based on what i had seen from him last season i had maybe too high expectations for him out of the shoot. I thought he had a chance to make the all-star team as a rookie, and that's not going to happen. But still a really good player. Yeah, for Wembenyama, the upside is still there. That's what I value the most. I, I think ultimately has to be in his own tier. If I had Vector Wembenyama, I would not trade him for the number two or three players on this list because I do think he's like obviously the best player in a championship team potential. There is very likely somebody on this list who will be that someday, but I honestly don't know who that is. And so uh, th- that I feel is more likely than not to be there. There is one guy who I think has the best chance of that of everyone else who we'll talk to, but I don't have him in that same tier. It would have to be a an outcome that I don't necessarily foresee, although I think it's possible for that guy. So with, with Victor, yeah, I mean, the Spurs have been such a shit show. I'm trying to not put that in too much to my evaluation. And, you know, I think as a scorer around the basket and a shot blocker, like he's been kind of as advertised. And like, I think he is going to make open threes. Like it's really the off the dribble jumpers that are killing his efficiency right now. And, you know, there's, as you said, Danny, at some point, he's either going to stop shooting those and he can still be pretty darn good on, on offense and defensive player of the year on defense, or he's going to become just a completely unstoppable force. I will say, John, the one thing that I don't say it's exceeded my expectations but it's been encouraging is he seems to have stayed totally healthy so far. He looks good out there. Like he yeah. only missed a bunch of games. That was, that was Unlike definitely the rest of the guys in this class, frankly. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> so, uh, Danny, anything else on Victor or I will see to you the next nomination and, uh, when applicable, please let us know if, uh, the player has moved to a different tier. One other thing that I'll note with Wembenyama is I'm probably more interested with him than any player we've done recently in how the next 12 months goes in part because he's, you know, prospect that we've been more excited about than pretty much anybody else of recent vintage. And so we'll know a lot more. Like we're, we got to see him a little bit in summer league. We got to see him a little bit in other contexts. And so where it goes from here. And yes, I do have a tier separation, though I originally didn't. And it's a player, Nate, that you've been higher on than me. But I think that we've been we we kind of building the sample with Anthony Edwards and Anthony Edwards. He doesn't fit a lot of the traditional archetypes of like a player who would be this high. I, I don't know that he's the you know, that offensive engine necessarily. And his defensive role is a not a center 
and B, more of a like key moments thing rather than in every possession. Like he's not going to be a, in every down stopper. Most l- large yeah. scores are not. No player in today's NBA with his load is going to. Exactly. Him, so. And but Edwards, there are a couple big reasons why I have him here. This is his age 22 season. So Edwards will be eligible again next year is that he has been to me. He's been the best offensive player on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Their offense has been strong overall when he's on the floor, but also when Edwards plays without Towns and also when Edwards plays without Conley. Now, when when the other two guys are out, then things get a little dicier. But I mean, that's a lot to ask when you consider the subs for the Wolves. So for Edwards, I mean, if we want to get into some of the basics that we like to talk about with him or with anybody, his true shooting isn't phenomenal, 57%. um, But when you consider the workload, uh, 32 usage, 42% total usage, which is Seth Partnow's version of the stat. And for reference, that 42% is higher than almost everybody I consider. It's not higher than absolutely everybody, but it's higher than almost everybody. And so for me, Edwards is in a tier with other guys, but to me, he has shown the most that if you threw him into different circumstances, and most importantly, when we're talking this high on the list, you threw him into a playoff series with a random team, I think he would provide the most help and the least hindrance. John, was Edwards your number two? And no, was he? No. No. no, he was not. Okay. Well, let's 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 talk about Edwards now and we you will get a chance to nominate your number 2 in a second. Uh I agree with a lot of what Danny said. I think Anthony Edwards, we're still projecting ahead with him a little bit to him becoming a top 10 player in the league. I don't think that's what he is right now, uh, especially at the offensive end. Uh, he's, he's just not efficient enough yet. He doesn't read the game and the passes that are available to him well enough. Um, so he can go on kind of hero ball scoring binges, but I think over a larger sample, he's not a, a notably efficient player yet. He's more of a, a volume guy. And so those guys tend to be more useful the worse the team is. Now, what's unusual mm. for him is he's done it in the construct of a team that's really good. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm still interested to see kind of how this plays out as we go deeper and, is, and as we get into those playoff series, uh, what what that looks like for him. And it, it could be that just he gets so many tough buckets that he's valuable in a, in a high-end playoff series too. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, for me, the reason that I had Edwards here at number two was more just looking ahead to, in some ways, what his weaknesses might be. I think he's not going to have many, if any, because of the fact that he really can almost guard small forwards. He's probably going to be strong enough to guard power forwards even uh, on switches at 225, 6'5". You know, shoots it pretty well. Also, like he does have a tough shot diet. And like you, John, I kind of struggled with that of, like you said, you normally see this guy where it's more useful on a bad team, floor raising volume at at league average efficiency, not like some unbelievable passer. But the Wolves kind of are a bad team on offense. He also (laughs) contributes to them being a good team on defense. Like at least number one to, yeah, he may not be guarding the other team's best player on every possession, but he can do it down the end. And we've seen that on, on John Morant and and the end of regular season games, but he also is just, he's never going to get attacked, right? Like that's uh, compared to some of the other guys on this list who are probably better offensive players than him right now. Like those guys are going to be playoff liabilities. And Edwards is a two-way wing. I think he is going to get better. And like, let's acknowledge that he's playing with two bigs a lot of the time. He's playing with a three who's a below average shooter as well. And so he's never really played with a ton of spacing 
in his career. And so if he did do that, maybe he would be this guy who can get up into that 60% true shooting area. Maybe the reads would be a little bit easier for him as a passer to kick out to three-point shooters, uh, that sort of thing. So I, I think ultimately, I don't think Anthony Edwards is as good as a couple other guys, at least one other guy on this list right now. He probably would be, if I was ranking these guys right now, he would probably be the second best player on this list right now to me. But I do think that when you look at the upside, that like he's a guy who can really, his game will translate maybe to the playoffs, particularly on the defensive end more uh, than the guy who I think is going to be your number two and uh let's uh let's discuss him right now john man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique mattresses everybody sleeps differently and helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the 
slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that capspace code to let them know you came from us uh so my number two you know we talk about can this player be the best player on a championship team for victor Wembanyama? what about being the best player on an in-season tournament championship team which was almost the case for tyrese halliburton this year um i had halliburton number two my argument is that Every other player we're looking at, we're talking about them eventually maybe becoming as good as Halliburton is right now. Like he's such an awesome offensive player that I know he gets absolutely demolished on, you know, anytime he has to guard somebody with size around the basket. Uh, And that's definitely a liability. Indiana is a bad defensive team. Halliburton is a pretty good like off off ball, reading the game, getting steals, that kind of stuff. Uh, But he's a liability on the ball. So that's a negative, clearly. Uh, but he's just an unbelievable offensive player. He's he's one of those guys who guarantees you a great offense just by himself. And we've seen that with Indiana. Like they're an awesome offensive team with one elite offensive player, which which is Tyrese Halliburton. One other data point there. I mean, yes, Halliburton. I mean, I, I, I'd move him down based on what has changed since then, but I had him second in MVP um, when we did that about a, three weeks ago. And say, oh, well, this, you know, it's it's only a 21 game stretch so far that he's played. Tyrese Halliburton, not that EPM is gospel, but Tyrese Halliburton was sixth in offensive EPM last year. So this right. is not something where, you know, he fundamentally, oh, this is a complete anomaly based on where he was. Now, shooting 44% on nine threes per 36, that is astonishing. And to have the role that Halliburton does within the Pacers offense, 52.4% total usage is straight up jaw dropping. And to do that on an offense that is this good is incredible. And so, yeah, I, Halberton's in the same tier as Edwards for me. And there is a clear argument that he could, that he's better right now and that he could continue to be what ended up, you know, moving them within the same tier, which as, as listeners will know, it means that they're really close to one another is the concerns about a, whether he can do it in the playoff crucible and B, the defensive, the defensive questions because he's just so tight. And, and Halliburton did address those to the extent that he could in the in-season tournament. I thought he competed hard in that second half against the Celtics when they had been so aggressive in the first half. And he had some nice moments, of course, against the Bucks and everyone else. So it may be that he just kind of proves that, that he's just a better, he, that the, the good, the good is so much better than the bad or that the bad is less severe than we expected. But, to couch it a little bit, I'm going to put him third in the same tier as Edwards did not qualify for the NCAA tournament and did not qualify for the in-season tournament quarterfinal. Halliburton so, is so tournament, tough. tournament tough. Tournament tough, <laughs> Danny. <laughs> yeah, I, this is one that I really, really struggled with. And yeah, I do think Tyrese is better right now. Like if he's going to be a top five offensive player in basketball for the next five to ten years, I mean, that's really tough. Uh, to, I mean, he, he, there's an argument that he should be higher than Wembenyama, like that certainty of knowing that he's that good right now. But I ultimately, I look at the history of, I know he's a little bit bigger than some guards, right? But you look at the history of having a no defense guard 
as your best player and that just has never really quite gotten you that far like if the guy is steve nash if he's steph curry and tyrese halberton may be in that league then perhaps uh, we but those guys that also i think if we were doing this list talking about those guys we would have needed to see those guys perform in the playoffs before we could kind of know that they were going to be steve nash and steph curry so I'm a, I just am a, I think the archetype of Edwards, like I think Tyrese Halberton, if I had to pick who's going to have a better career, Tyrese Halberton or, or Anthony Edwards, I'd probably pick Halberton, but I value that upside a, a little bit more. All right. It is my pick here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we, do we have anything else to say on Halberton or we all kind of, ha- we all have him in that two, three range, right? We do. I'm going to move to, and also worth noting, Halberton is going to turn 24, like five days or whatever after the age cutoff. So he is a, he's a year older uh, than Edwards. He's really 18 months older than Edwards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you. Um, and Victor Wembyama turns 20 uh, in the beginning of January. So the, the cutoff we're using is as of February 1st, the basketball reference season age. I'm moving down to a new tier here. I'm going to go with, and this is where I think shit's going to get crazy. I'm going to go with Paolo Bancaro as my number four, 21 Ooh. years old. Wow. Wow. Okay. I think there has been a a a, gla- a glaring uh uh oversight here if if we're moving on to Paolo. But let, let, how about this, John? Okay. Let's talk about Paolo first and then yes. we'll compare them to the No, no, I, I can't I can't handle it. I gotta know who the glaring <laughs> oversight is. I, I I can't stand it anymore. This player well, is the same age as Anthony Edwards and is having a better year with shittier shooting around him. Okay. I consider him strongly for number three ahead of Edwards. That's Scotty okay, Barnes. Who, Ooh. Wow. Yeah, that's, that'll be interesting. I'm interested to know who people think is more controversial having Barnes or Bancaro here. Uh, so uh, we'll start with Paolo first. Sure. Um, I think his efficiency has improved. I think his defense, if you saw him at Duke, like he actually makes quality plays on defense. He's part of a good defense, which Scotty Barnes is not. Uh, and like I, I don't think that, you know, he's not as good as Scotty Barnes defensively, probably, but I think he actually moves his feet a little bit better. Like he, he actually makes some plays defensively. Like he's teams do not attack him. I think that was what people thought it was going to be coming out of Duke. Like he's a totally competent option, particularly when you consider a lot of these scoring power forward types, your Zions, your Blake Griffin uh, of old, who, who I've compared Paolo to at times, your Julius Randle. I think Paolo is better than those guys defensively in a lot of different areas. And his efficiency is getting so much better. He's one of the best free throw draws ever at his age, which is something that I think is going to translate. And he just has made solid incremental improvement and he's contributing to a, a winning team. He's a really good transition weapon when he gets the ball off the boards. Like I, I think he's kind of right on schedule right now as uh, to me, the, the best offensive weapon on a magic team that has been like slightly higher than we would have expected offensively i think he deserves credit there with it and his three is getting a little bit better uh his mid-ranger is getting a little bit better and you know he can really abuse mismatches he can pass the ball i i, I think he's just has a lot of interesting potential and he's not like that much worse uh, on defense than say a scotty barnes what i find fascinating about ben Carroll, and i will note this at the outset i have a group from four to nine and i have not ranked them yet i have i'm wanted to work through this conversation and get there oh yeah me too ben this Car- shit is possible this year ben Carroll is in this group for me and a couple of notable data points that i wanted to mention as we're as we're working through it so bancaro this year 40 percent 
on 1.7 pull-up threes per game. That's a surprisingly strong number. 38% on the exact same 1.7 catch-and-shoot threes per game. Those are big jumps from 26% and 34% respectively last year. And like is the case with Scotty Barnes, if you believe this is 100% real, then bump them up a little bit accordingly. A couple of concerns for Paolo. One is, he is a complementary defensive player rather than a foundational one, and that's fine. Like, he's a power forward. That's not a big deal. And I still haven't seen enough from Bencaro to believe that he can play like small ball five. If he could do that, then we start to maybe get into a different conversation with him. But one big lingering thing with Bancaro, who I've been, you know, banging the drum that he's one of the best young players for a while now, is it's concerning to me that Bancaro is only converting 51% of his twos. And there are a couple reasons when I was looking into the statistical basis for that that stand out to me as potential concern areas. One is that Bancaro takes, and this, some of this can be logging, he takes more shots from the upper paint than the restricted area. And Bancaro is, he does get fouled a ton. And so you can kind of remove those from different ledgers and then they get it to free throws unless you make the shot. But Bancaro is also around 40% on all the zones for two pointers that aren't the restricted area. And so like, I've never loved his touch from some of those range. I love his touch as a passer. So the idea that Bancaro, he, that part of his game doesn't really, it, it would need a lot of improvement. However, it is also fair to counter that that is the type of improvement improvement that we often see from a 21 year old who is this physically gifted i guess real quickly before john weighs in i I, to me the thing it's just the flashes of offensive dominance that i've seen from him particularly with the way that the game is called now where strength is so important and if he gets up against someone who's not as strong as him he's just going to go right through him and draw a foul and like i i do agree like if there's something that's going to sink him it's going to be maybe that his touch just doesn't develop enough to unlock the other aspects of his game but i've been encouraged that he's shown growth there at at least but i i think he's just when you look at all the guys on this list uh other than like some of the scoring guards to me he's the guy where i'm like man like we eh, there's actually maybe one other guy but like where I'm like, man, we don't necessarily have an answer for what this guy's going to do. And he also, you know, has his head screwed on straight <laughs> as well, which is an important aspect. And he, he also has, hasn't really had any injury issues. But that's that's the thing, like watching him go up against like Cleveland when Cleveland was fully healthy and like completely dominate those guys. I was like, man, like this is this is he is the greater chance of being someone that you just don't have an action or have a, an option to deal with than a lot of these guys. So, I John, just, uh, I just tell me why think, I'm wrong. I just don't think he generates enough easy shots. I, I just think he ends up taking a lot of tough shots like he doesn't he can handle the ball for his size, but he doesn't. Like he's not like getting downhill easily all the time. Like he's just not, it's, it's just not like shit. How do we stay in front of this guy? Like he can overwhelm you physically. Yes. But you're always like, that's work in traffic, right? Like that's difficult. Um, so I don't know. I just, I just don't see enough easy stuff from him. Like I actually had him a tier lower, uh, kind of in my six to 10 group. Um, and I, I had two other guys in the tier with Hallie and Ant. Interesting. Okay. I have yeah, no one else with them. For well, the g- give me your give me your next nomination. I guess it, it would be Barnes then, right? So Barnes is Barnes is my next guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, uh, age twenty two year having having a great year was not as good a year ago. So I guess the biggest argument you can make is let's see you do this for a more extended period. Uh, doing it on a team that isn't really optimized to play with him. Uh, I think on the other hand, Barnes is a player ar- archetype who can fit in a lot of different rosters just because of his positional flexibility to play one through five which he's already done in Toronto. Um, if, if they even have a designation of who's the one and who's the five there, I guess. Um, but uh, I, I, 
I, I just see a lot of still upside with him, especially if the shooting keeps uh, progressing. Uh, he's probably been a little bit of a disappointment at the defensive end. Like coming out of Florida State, there was a thinking that he'd be a stopper type guy, and he's, he's just not. Uh, he, he's taken strides this year, uh, I would say, as a defensive playmaker, less so as an on-ball guy to me. Yeah, uh, really good rebounder, too, uh, which mm-hmm. helps. Uh, so, yeah, overall, I just I just feel like he's probably going to make the All-Star team this year, I think. Uh, I don't know, maybe not, but I, I, would, I think Toronto he's... might have to win a game at some point. <laughs> Conceptually. That's important. Locked down the in, team, these, right? in these you know, little details. They have Detroit, Charlotte, and Washington in their conference. Like, come on, they'll get a few. <laughs> well, so, so John, the question I want to pose to you, and I, mm-hmm. I, I have Barnes significantly lower than you do, but I respect it, is, is this. Scotty Barnes last year shot, shot 30% on catch and shoots, 21% on pull-up threes. And those yeah. are those are roughly 20% better each this year. Like, they're, you know, 41, 42% on catch and shoot, 31% on pull-ups this year. How are you indexing that? Because with, for me with Barnes, especially because he was a poor shooter his rookie year and this Scotty Barnes played a lot of minutes so I had trouble and I, I of course have respected you as an analyst for a lot longer than we've podcasted together how do you reconcile those two things do you think this is at least closer to the pin in terms of the improvement or do you, are, are you a little bit scared that the truth is even if it's closer to this that a half step down from this is a much less dynamic offensive player uh you know Number schmumbers, Danny. Like, don't you use the eye test anymore? Uh, no, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, the uh, I I agree that I take his shooting progression this year still with some grain of salt. Uh, like he's shooting it enough that you can tell it's something that he thinks is going in. You know, like one of the guys, way guys tells yeah. them, tell on themselves is just by the frequency of how much they shoot too. Um, un- unless they, I mean, there's a few guys who just have no judgment or self-awareness. So you have to discard that. But for, for, yeah. for I, the I most thought part, Scotty might be one of those guys at one point. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, but so, so I, to your point, like I, I thought I was really disappointed with him last year. I really liked Scotty Barnes's rookie year, and that I thought last year was a crushing disappointment where where he took a step backward, really, and he's rebounded from that really strongly this year. I'm also interested to see what he looks like with somebody else there instead of Siakam, and mm-hmm. where, where there's not so much overlap, and there's maybe a little bit less uh, competition to be the. I don't know if alpha is the right word, but kind of the the go-to bigger wing at least. So I, I, I wonder about that part too. And, and if it would open him up to maybe get to the, you know, to his stuff around the basket a little more easily, which is obviously where it's, I mean, that's still where his strength is, even if he's making threes. Uh, but I look, I look at his age. I look at where his arrow is pointing. I look at his size and skill set and how desirable that is in the league and how that can replicate. You could play five Scotty Barneses on the court and you can't do that with five Halliburtons or, or five Holmgrens, right? So I, I look at that and I, I think that's really valuable too. So, yeah, so I, I, I liked him better than uh, than the two guys from the Magic or some other guys that we're going to talk about later. Yeah, to me, Barnes, I, I think it, there is some real shooting improvement. I buy it more as a spot-up guy, which is important, right? Like, the, my criticism of Barnes was that like, if he can't shoot at all, like, how does he fit in? He basically almost has to be a center offensively. Now, he, I at least believe, based on what he's done so far, where he's almost doubled his three-point attempt rate, uh, overall, he's up to 38%. But, yeah, it's really been the catch-and-shoot that's been driving that. Uh, he still is not 
on on any kind of self-created jump shot, he still really has not been particularly efficient, uh, although he certainly takes a, a fair number of those. You know, in terms of generating really easy shots, other than transition, I'm still not seeing that much of that uh, from him. You know, he's a solid finisher around the rim. He's got good size. He, he looks like he's even grown a little bit more. Like, he looks big out there. I think I've seen that more on the defensive end as a playmaker around the basket. Uh, he blocks a lot of jump shots as well. But so the fact that he could fit in, like, I, I now I'm like, okay, I'm not putting this guy in the like kind of really overrated camp the way I did a year ago and he's shown just a lot of shooting improvements that wasn't necessarily expected and you know, he's been shooting free throws around 75% so you think he's going to be at least a competent shooter going forward I don't know if he's going to be a, a great shooter I'm not sure if he's going to be a guy that you want generating a bunch of offense from the mid-range necessarily which is kind of where he'd need to be to get to be a truly premium offensive option uh so I, I had him in the the next group down uh but yeah I, I think Paolo just to me shows a little bit more of uh like that premium offensive creator upside than Barnes and I don't think the defensive difference between them is as big as a lot of people anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down I highly recommend Inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding I got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well I felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace user in capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet365 21 plus only must be present in virginia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply so, John, I'll, I'll uh, I, actually, Danny, it's your turn, I believe, to uh, to nominate someone. I will nominate somebody who fills a different archetype than anyone we've discussed so far, and that is Chet Holmgren. And Holmgren, we talk a lot about how a player could fit into different schemes and the uh, the value of on ball dominance, and that's true. Holmgren, even if you don't believe that he's going to be the best rim protector in the NBA for the rest of this year, much less the rest of his career, he provides a different kind of foundation off offensively and defensively than we've really seen in recent vintage. And that is because Holmgren is a he's a totally credible three point shooter, five for thirty six, making thirty six percent of them he has been a very good rim protector and while you can argue that to an extent he has benefited from the ecosystem you know having Shea Gildas Alexander there you know he's clearly not the best player in his own team in the way that some of these other guys have had to be but 
why I think Holmgren deserves to be in this conversation is he might be the single best player. There's another one I want to talk about to compliment somebody else. And so when we're in this group where I'm not sure any of these guys are going to be the best player on not only a championship team, but like a really, really good team. I would rather have Holmgren than damn near any of them in that second spot because the way he opens up your offense and the way he can help set your tone defensively. I also had Chet Holmgren uh, in this place. He was the last guy I had in that tier. Uh, again, uh, not the on-ball creator guy, but I do think, like, in addition to his shooting ability and his ability to rim run and get dunks on, and run the runs the floor really well and get some sell some easy putbacks that way, uh, has some shit to him off the dribble too mm-hmm. that I really didn't expect. Didn't really see much of it at Gonzaga, but we've seen some takes with him on the perimeter that have been like, "Oh, okay." Like there's something to build off there. Where if he was on a worse team, I think you'd see more of it, and it would be another interesting developmental point for him. And then obviously just a spectacular rim protector, uh, and that's going to be his you know foundational skill. And I think he's good enough on the perimeter that he can't get run off the floor, which is the other key thing if you're a five. Can you play all 40 minutes no matter how the other team matches up or all, I'm saying all 40 because you're not going to play all 48 most of the time but can you play your entire rotation shift and not get pulled off the floor in the fourth quarter and I think Chet Holmgren passes that test let me ask you guys this let's say Chet continues on you know a solid development path what do you see him at like if you're at his best like what does he rank as a player in the NBA like what number is he a top 10 guy top 15 top 20 what do you think I'll go top 10. Like if he could be like a more wow. off- offensively potent Rudy Gobert. Oh, like, I, is, is I, that, I have, that, is that so ridiculous? I have a different comparison. It's funny. A very different big man, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis was never, we never thought of him as like the best player in a championship team, but he was still in the top 10, 15 range. So I, my, to answer your question, I'm more top 20 than top 10, but I will open, I will keep that possibility open in my heart. Yeah, I guess D- Davis, I think, was thought that he would be that at, at one point. Or as I mean, what, what he did at like, you know, 21, 22. Like but was, I'm talking you know, the player he but, became, yeah. not not the, oh, not the, yeah, uh, yeah. Not the oh, optimism okay. of what he could be. But like, you know, he was the second best player on a championship team along with one of the but, best. Well, he time. peaked as a top five player to me. Like in 2020, he was a top five player. But anyway, sorry, that, that's an aside. Uh, but I, I never can completely pass up a, a, a point that I disagree with. Um, yeah, I don't think that Chet is ever going to be quite the offensive player that AD was. B does add maybe three point shooting in a way to be more complimentary than AD, although AD was such a good role man too. Uh, so, like so you're, Chet, say, you're saying that five for 36 and making them at a high clip, that's insufficient for you? If, as what? As like the you're saying he needs to add a three pointer. Like that's not what he's doing. No, right no, now. no. Sorry, I was talking. I was talking about Davis. No, I think oh. like Chet shoots three. If I, sorry if I misspoke. No, Chet shoot, has the three, but he's not necessarily the role man uh, that that someone like AD is. And I also don't think that he, you know, maybe he can play some four in, in a different system. I, I guess where, where I, I mean, the two questions I have about Chet, and, and I have him in this range. I, I have a few other guys ahead of him. Are can he be a number one offensively? I think we all agree the answer there is no. Correct. Correct. Number two, Sean? Could it be number two? Number two offensively? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to – I mean, he has has like a 21, 22% usage this year. But to me, a number two is we are throwing you the ball to create something for your teammates when there's not necessarily an advantage yet. 
Maybe I could see Chet getting there, like off a switch, you know, attacking it in the post or something like that. Uh, but I think he's, I think of him more likely as a number three, where the advantage is created. You throw it to him on the perimeter. Now he can attack a closeout. He's the roll man in pick and roll. He gets some offensive rebounds. You know, he can maybe he gets into like that 25 usage uh, area. So, you know, maybe it's a number two technically, but it's not like your number two creator. Uh, and then defensively, yeah, I think the shot blocking is really good. Like the the way, number of minutes he's able to play. He doesn't, other than that one foot injury, he doesn't have an injury history. So I, I'm not pricing that in particularly much. Uh, but the the how thin he is does I think that is a limitation. You know, we're already seeing that they can't get a defensive rebound, even though he's pretty good elsewhere. And they also don't play a traditional power forward next to him a lot of the time. But like in today's day and age, if you're a center, you got to guard Joel Embiid. You got to guard Nikola Jokic. Like, I don't think you I can mean, do that. Do you, though? Like, how couldn't they couldn't they fill that role kind of like with PJ, you know, like the PJ Tucker equivalent? And yeah, I, I think that Chet Holmgren is good enough at everything else that you can you can find the equivalent of that other guy. I, I think that you're personally, and this is just a different disagreement we have, I think you're over-indexing on extreme cases relative to what he yeah, can do. But, but we need extreme cases here, right? We're talking about winning a championship. You got to go through, a, you're going to have to go through a great center like that. I'm not sure that's, I, I think but that there are. You're going to have to go through Victor Wembanyama. You're going to have to guard like oh, a Zion I, I think Williamson. Checking, I think Check can do fine on Wemby, personally. Mm, yeah. All right. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, we'll check, we'll check back in five years. <laughs> yeah, we will. <laughs> on that one. Uh, John, John, any reaction to what I'm saying there? I think we're still figuring out what Chet is. And so I, I've seen him do enough with the ball in his hands that I'm at least intrigued. And I'm not going to exclude the possibility of him being like a, a true number two. I think what you're saying is far more likely, and I definitely want to see yeah. more of him from a shooting percentage. When I, uh, from a shooting perspective, when I when I saw him at Gonzaga, I thought he was a pretty ordinary three point shooter. Like I thought he was a guy who was out there beyond the three point line and could make one, but I don't think he was something you were necessarily scared of. And so I'm interested to see how you know, over the progression of the season, how his percentages hold up. Um, I also need to see the Thunder in person. I want to watch him shoot before the game again. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I had chats, you know, kind of more towards maybe the lower end of the top 10, but I, I haven't come up with a, uh, a a final ranking like Danny. Uh, I think it is my turn now, right? Sure. Yes. So, I do still have to go Zion Williamson here. I know his brand is not good right now. I know he's struggled to stay healthy. I, I still think he has a way that he can be like a top five offensive player in basketball. Like the way he played last year when he was healthy, the way he played his second season. I'm just valuing that upside. I just I hope he's going to figure it out at some point. You know, he still is only 23. This is his last year on this list. Uh, he, he seems to have been motivated some by uh, some of his struggles. Uh, I just I, I realize there is a lot of risk with him, but I, I think he I when I really get into like who is just has a, a higher upside than him, I don't think there's anyone else. So, so let me I'll put that question to you guys first with Zion. Is there someone that we haven't talked about yet that you think has a higher upside than Zion Williamson? At this point, I would say yes. Okay. I just think physically right. he's not what he was when he came into the league. And I think we've seen enough of his career arc to know that he's that some things are not going to happen, right? In terms of like the defensive awareness is probably never going to come around. The shooting is is not going to be a thing that happens. Um uh, requires a very sp- specific uh set of players around him to really 
thrive, right? Like he, he dictated more than anyone else on this list. He dictates what players can be around him by his weaknesses. And I think even in the best case scenario where he's an overwhelming downhill, get to the rim guy, like we saw in the first half of last season, he's still a, a shitty defensive player who doesn't space the floor. And so he takes some things away from you at the same time. So I, I still think there's, there's one or two guys that can be, that have at least like a quasi reasonable chance of being a better version than that. I'm I'm kind of between the two of you. So I have Zion in this tier firmly. And I was I was interested to see when somebody else was going to bring him up. My I, I really like what John said about it's hard harder to fit him in with other players. And that's a part of why, at least preliminarily, I have Chet Holmgren over Zion. The other part is availability, where Zion just you don't know how much you're going to get from him. But Williamson breaks the mold in a lot of ways. But at the same time, if you're thinking about what is he on a successful team, you still need to figure out what the hell you're going to be defensively. And then offensively, you can play him, but you need a, a lot of space if the idea is to be that great team. And I think at, at times the Pelicans have underserved him in that respect. And I've criticized the Ingram Zion fit forever. And a part of that is Ingram and a part of that is Zion Williamson. So if you could guarantee ma- like not even maximum health, but like 70 regular season games and a reasonably and be healthy for the start of the playoffs, I would probably have him. I would at least consider having him in, in that tier with Edwards and Halliburton, but you absolutely can't anymore. Like that is not a reasonable expectation at this point. And John's idea about, and Nate, you of course brought this up years ago too, is that I'm concerned about the possibility that Zion's athletic peak is significantly earlier than for the average NBA player. And yes, it's true, you know, going back to the Kem Pelton work that players, you know, the skill development is why players peak is, is later than, than their athletic peak. But with Zion, I, I mean, he's the only player who's ever made it on, on eligible right now. Who's ever made one of my all NBA teams. I'm concerned about the possibility that that's the best season he ever has. Yeah. I think you guys have probably convinced me to move him down, but particularly because if you're really looking over a 10 year period, I think I, that Zion still has the possibility to have some of the better seasons of anyone on this list. But yeah, to say over the next 10 years, we're going to bet on this guy. uh, That's, that's probably not fair. I I probably do need to move him down from where I had him. John. All right. uh, I think this might be a controversial nomination, but I'm going to fire away here. LaMelo ball. Ooh, don't have him in my top 10. Wow. Wow. Um, I think he pays a very steep price for the franchise he plays for uh, when people talk about their regard for different players. He was the best player on a 43-win team as a 20-year-old, uh, was hurt much of last year, keeps spraining his ankles, which obviously is a an issue that they need to resolve. Steph Curry figured it out. Hopefully, they could figure it out with LaMelo as well. Um, well, and he keeps spraining his ankles in like weird ways also like it's not like if or he like the injury mechanism looks weird he had like a fracture somehow that like no one could figure out how yeah. it happened last year like that's that that is a i mean i probably actually wasn't thinking about that aspect enough and it kind of just going towards the like all right this guy is just not really a serious player and particularly given his defense as well uh that's where i was low on him but yeah but go, go on and make the case for him but yeah i probably actually i mean when you consider the injuries that i think that kind of strengthens my argument of not having him in the top 10. Okay. I actually think on a, on a good team, he would look significantly better because of his 
passing skill, ability to throw hit-ahead passes and make easy baskets for uh, for other players. His deep three-point shooting ability, uh, you know, like he's 38% this year on high volume. I don't know if he's always going to shoot 38%. His motion's a little funny, but he has crazy range. And so I think like if he had to play off the ball, he'd be totally fine. Like he'd be a weapon because um, he, he'll shoot him off the catch too. A lot of these guys who are used to playing ball in hand want to put the ball down first and take a couple dribbles when they're, when they're put off the ball. LaMelo just lets it rip, man. Uh, really good rebounder for a point guard. Uh, not a good defensive player right now. Totally agree with that. Uh, has enough size to at least move around a little positionally though. Uh, has to get better inside the arc. Uh, started doing that this year. Like, again, because of the lineups with so many bad players, crazy volume this year, right? And just so-so efficiency. But I think we saw more of him doing more things, finishing at the rim uh, and getting to better spots on the floor and not just settling for bad floaters when he got inside the arc. So I was encouraged by that. Uh, you know, again, still only 22 uh, so I, I, I still think there's an upside track for him. I think he's a really good player right now. So yeah, he's the next guy on my list. I considered having Lamella. I actually originally had him in this tier and moved him down. Um, and the big concern is I don't know that he can be the driver of a successful half court offense. I, I it's a, a distinct possibility. Like, I, I, and I love your point about the team ecosystem potentially poisoning it for us. And I, and I could argue another guy that I'm lower on than you is Scotty Barnes. It might be doing that for him as well. But with Lamelo, the transition stuff is great. The three point shooting is great. And you could argue that the surrounding team is just so bad that it, maybe he. He does have that capability and and Lamelo Ball did drive a successful offense a couple of years ago. It just hasn't happened since in part because the roster has been bad. What the other factor brought up injuries and like the half court stuff is just that he has been a bad defender and he's been a bad defender in ways that he should he should be able to improve. And there's a point where you're like, oh, it's young guy stuff, you know, inattentiveness off ball, like not not great screen navigation and all that. And like, I'm fine with Lamelo being a good enough offensive player that you don't have in point of attack. That's generally what I would do in all circumstances. But he's bad off ball, too. And when you think about LaMelo's physical capabilities, especially when he's healthy, like he could be significantly better. And there's a point where you just go, I, maybe, maybe it's sort of like the, the increased stakes. If he's on a team that's significantly better, that will bring it out of him because I think LaMelo, he has basketball intelligence, even if he doesn't always show it in some of the traditional ways, but he's like a very intuitive passer and all that stuff. And generally those guys like kind of like Halliburton does, they can be opportunistic, at least defensively, but. The effort isn't there. The some of the recognition stuff isn't there. So I I think that Lamelo has a chance to rise on this list. I've had him higher previously, but if I'm going to bet on him or some of the other players, even that we have mentioned or haven't mentioned, to be that offensive guy, especially when you consider the defensive loss, like I'm going to make a couple other bets. Yeah, it seems like to me always going to be a defensive liability uh, until further notice. I mean, he has some, he just has to get stronger and tougher. Like, I haven't seen that. And there's been incremental improvement this year. But yeah, the inability to stay healthy. Uh, he's had injury problems, I think, in pretty much every year of his career, maybe save one. And so I, he plays kind of a, a a style where he's going crashing into the ground a lot, too. Uh, it's gotten a little bit better as a finisher. Uh, just the inside the arc scoring, though, just doesn't ever seem like it's going to be a strength. And uh, I, I don't see him as 
you know, a best offensive player on it on a good team and then defensively is a liability. So I, you know, I thought it wasn't like crazy to have him as an all-star, but it just, and we haven't seen him play well in any big games either. Like it's just been totally non-serious there. And while I don't, he's maybe not the problem in that regard, but he's also not the solution. And that's always kind of been his reputation of not being a particularly serious there, player. There's been a whiff of unseriousness about him going back to his season in Australia where he just fucked around because he knew he was going to be a top pick in the draft anyway. So I, I cannot dispute that part. Well, that was a lot of fun. And if you would like the fun to continue, you can hear the second half of this show exclusively on Dunked On Prime. Still time to subscribe. Still time to give Dunked On Prime as a gift and get Danny LaRue and myself five days a week with no ads. Get every Hollinger and Duncan, not just two per month with no ads as well. You can get access to our salary cap sheets uh, that we use to prepare as trade season is coming along. You get Dan Feldman's daily dunks in both email and audio form uh, hitting on the biggest stories every day in the NBA. And you even get Seth Partnos writing as well. Check out Dunked on Prime. The link is in the show notes. We'd love to have you as we get into trade season. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.